I'm going to take a picture now. Okay. Everyone make a good face. How my faces are good. That's true. I was going to say, well, I did take, I, I took it. Um, <laughs> uh, I did take two pictures before and in all four, like in all, in all the pictures before, all me, Bren and Brad were all like, sort of like eyes closed or looking somewhere else or not doing that. And Ludo looked fine. <laughs> Ludo looked great in both of them. And just the rest of us all looked bad. <laughs> Such is the order of things. Uh, You're gonna well. be one of those old camera women, you know. Bring out the camera. <laughs> like, always ready for photos. Always, always. I, I, I'm chronically terrible at at pictures, taking them, being in them. Just, just, the, just pictures as a concept. I'm not good at that. Beyond the yeah. big dad energy picture, that yeah, me too. Say, <laughs> you know, until six months ago, you did not could not find any picture of me if, if you scored the world. That's fair. Oh, I wonder why. I wonder why. Mm. I mean, I, curious. I, I say this. I, I, I am certainly right now the happiest that I have been with my appearance in a hot minute. Like this, this is a look. I got, I got great. Yeah, bisexual yeah. dad energy going on. <laughs> hey. Oh. oh. And, and speaking of clothing, it's now summer here. <gasps> it's summer it here is, too, as indicated by the fan. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's like above seven. Like it's above seventy degrees now. Oh, seventy-three honey. degrees. But it's, it is in the it was in the nineties all day today down here in <laughs> the humidest part of the country. I was excited yeah. to go to work today because it was in the AC. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Yeah. I don't have AC at work. I'm going to be in hell. Well, we have AC in the office, but that's it. I actually just, I just live in just the part of the country where on Friday night last week at work, I had customers say to me, Hey, do you guys have AC? And my response was, yeah, it's on. It was still AC <laughs> in the dining room. The summer is the worst for heat. Summer is the worst. Yeah. I still firmly believe that summer is actually the worst season. And the only reason people like it is because of a conditioning that we all went through going through primary school where we had summer. Oh, yeah. It's like summer kills more people than any other season. Is that if I'm remembering yeah. like yeah. statistics? Yeah. yeah. Like people just cannot kills read. more people. I, I heard yeah. heat kills specifically. They mm. never said summer, but we all know they mean summer. <laughs> Yeah, because that's when heat happens. The only, oh, reason hate, <laughs> the only reason I hate winter is because living in uh, undisclosed neoliberal hell, there's never enough snow uh, snow clearing machines. And then when someone's like, hey, can we have more of them? They're like, well, we'll have to raise your taxes. At which point, uh-huh. everyone in the town starts booing. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only there's really only two things that I don't like on winter. One is that here there is no sunlight during the whole of it. Yeah. Yeah. And the other part was that uh so do you know the game uh, Frostpunk? Yes. Uh That's Uh, how my father looks at the thermostat. The game is a literal simulation of how my father (laughs) sees actually turning the thermostat. (laughs) No, if it's you could put on a sweater, girl. You could put on a sweater. Do we have enough coal? We need. We. (laughs) 
Yeah. We need to hold. The, the boiler might burst if we put it too much. Which of the storm comes and we need to start cold. Bless us, My fingies are so cold, I can't feel the tips. That's unfortunate. That's Here's unfortunate because I just called for 16-hour shifts. <laughs> Feeling the tips was never the point. Uh, Soon you'll not feel them, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, Soon that will be a problem of the past. I'm going to post all of the screenshots in the Discord so that we can enjoy, enjoy all of these great images of us. Just looking fun and celebratory. What do we? Yes, two years. Two years. Two, two years. Entire podcast. Wait. Two years. A whole hog. <laughs> Many podcasting days. The podcast reaping will come soon. We have made many podcast sausages. <laughs> Nobody ever asks how they get made. You don't want to. You don't want to know. Yeah. What does podcast sausage taste like? Neoliberal hell. Okay. No, you know, fair. Okay. That's, that's a better joke than what I set myself up for. Thank you, Brad. I, I appreciate the high road. Uh, two years. Ludo, do you have Instagram? No. Well, I didn't think so. I kind of have, but it's not like it's like I don't have it. I I have it, but I only posted art there. I yeah, I lurk. I don't even lurk. So I I'm on the other internet sites enough, which is too much. Yeah, yeah. I'm still tagging you in this, Brad. I dare you. You won't. I'm doing it. You can't stop me. You're a coward. <laughs> So, does anyone remember how were we on the last anniversary? Um, I believe we did four pillars of of sadness. Yeah, yeah, we we we, yeah, 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 yeah. We did a basically a bootleg anime circus. We covered the four pillars of misery. Now, but I mean, uh, where were we on the podcast? I think, I think we were between. Major, like major, major. I think we were between seasons, weren't we? Yeah, we were in a very awkward. I think uh, we did. recording wise, I th- yeah, yeah, recording wise, I think so. But you still haven't released. You still didn't release exactly. episodes. So we really could not talk about anything about the show because we mm-hmm. still had almost the entire final arc to be released. We had finished with the summer break games which, of course, they were not released. And we were in the process of testing different games for Season 2. So we really could not talk about that. Yeah, that, that was top secret. Like, if you mentioned it out loud, yeah. someone appeared and punched you, one of the other cast members. Back yeah. up a lot of airline tickets. Uh, I do want to talk about the other Summer Break games that would never be released. Uh, well, before that, I think we can actually we can actually talk about Hirosaka season as a wrap up because we kind of never did it because that is true. The anniversary came on that point, and uh, I think I think it's a good opportunity to wrap up and look back at it. Uh, like, uh, what the hell is that game at all? I mean, of course, I have thoughts, but we all know that there is a bias to the opinion of the game master. So, if I say mine, they Probably gonna overshadow yours, so I'm gonna do it later. 
Also, just, just while we're touching on the topic of uh, of the Hero Saka season, I just want to give a quick shout out to our beloved friends Evan and Charlie. Uh, R.I.P. They're not dead, but we do miss them very much. We miss them every day. They miss it every day. Yeah. Sometimes in the wind, I hear them. <laughs> I wake up in a cold sweat. <laughs> see that they've po- see that one of them has tweeted or posted. Go back to sleep comfortable. Um, <laughs> They're alive. Uh. <laughs> I will say, secret time, uh, uh, Sam and I have discussed at length how much we enjoyed playing Hirosaka at various points. Um, when we have secret Sam and Brad time. When I when I call Brad at 2.30 in the morning because there's a giant spider in my house and I'm panicking because the spider has spider babies and I don't know what to do about it. And then we spend two and a half hours on the phone. I said when we were going to discuss what happens during Secret Sam and Brad time. Um, <laughs> That's just the most recent yeah. one. People don't know about all the other ones. Uh, it's a great meeting of uh, important thoughts. And I just want to say genuinely, and we mentioned it. I believe we did mention the last language. But man, if you'd have told Brad of 2018 and you went back in time, you could only tell him one thing and you were like, hey, you're going to be on a podcast with some uh, random people and it's going to be super fucking awesome. You're going to have a blast. You're not going to start off knowing any of them. It's going to be some of the most fun. You're actually going to play L5R. Uh, mm-hmm. The brand of that time would be like, what are you talking about? There, are, I don't meet people on the internet. There are weirdos there. Uh, but you would be absolutely right. It was a fucking blast. Are we allowed to... We, we try to keep PG-13. We're, we don't like, no, we don't. Okay, no. good. I cuss like a sailor on this podcast habitually. I know I've done it in regular recordings. We I don't remember. Things PG-13. That's, that's plug. You can't expect me to remember anything. Mm. Is is if if we try to keep things PG-13 on this show, and we may have tried to do that at one point, but we really backed off on that on this season. I do recall that we had uh, a joke about Charlie uh, having uh, first dibs on all of our fucks. Because you only get one, one per yeah. We thirteen. You see, I I vaguely remember. So so we are we are onto something there, but uh, yeah, just we don't we don't we don't. Yeah, it was it. it was so much fun. I had such a blast. Yeah, but what the fuck was that? <laughs> uh, well, as we discussed uh, last week, uh, I had secret time. Uh, it's Shock Doctor, the Samurai. Uh, it's. Man, but that like that that's not gonna help the average listener. Um but yeah, that's gonna be very helpful. Quick Sam, throw some filler while I try to think how to summarize this. Look, I just spent all day reading a <laughs> scholarly text on explain something later. So if someone else throws some ideas out here. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Uh, I mean I will well, just I wasn't this. on that arc, so <laughs> I'm out. I like Brent, I, you I, forget. Yeah, Brent is saving. <laughs> Brent doesn't have to. Brent doesn't have to unpack that, and that's 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 good because there was a reason that I was playing the pansexual sword loving himbo on that season. It was because I was just like politics. That sounds complicated. I like swords, and then we didn't really yeah. do a lot with swords. You know what? The last season was about being an occupying force in every sense of the word and the characters being totally unaware of how much of an occupying force they were. Oh yeah. I think, yeah, that's, that feels, that feels, that feels accurate. Cause we were absolutely occupying Hirosaka and we were wreaking havoc on innocent 
to guilty people's lives without much care for what we were doing to them. And never once did we consider like, we never had the art. Are we the baddies moment? Like, sure, we're requisitioning things that people need. Sure, we're. I feel like we were he- we were definitely heading towards our are we the baddies moment, and then we got trapped in a cave. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. What kind Spoiler. of idiot leads to people getting trapped in a cave? What kind Spoiler of ooh? Yeah, listening to this episode the can- and also candle. not. Yeah. Uh, wait, you want to know why we didn't pick up the candle? You want to know why we didn't pick up the candle? Well, <laughs> now out of fairness, I don't know. I haven't. It's been a while. I don't know if I've listened to the actual finished cut of the thing. I think in the original recording, I did pick up the candle. No, we didn't, because I said not. No. Yeah. And that's why, because people listen to me like a voice of reason. (laughs) (laughs) You have a voice of authority. I blame Trade Stop for that. I do have have this unfortunate habit you got to develop one to work at the trade stop. I do have yeah. the, the the control of the other's voice, but I would look if somebody would have been like, let's bring the candle. I probably would have folded, but uh, I didn't. Yeah. I blame uh, past me. He was a fool. Yeah. I also blame past me. No, it's like uh, L5R. I think it takes uh, you're either too much into the neo lib side, the, the, uh, or you eventually realize, like a few years into playing, all samurai are assholes. Oh yeah, like even in history, all samurai were assholes. It doesn't matter. No, me, Miyamoto Musashi, asshole, huge asshole. Oda Nobunaga, asshole. <laughs> Everybody said like samurai were the cops of their time. Yeah, literally, like yeah, literally. Come on. They were yeah. mid-level managers with katanas. That's why I'm so good at playing one. Is I have just enough authority to be dangerous to people below me, and not enough authority to be a danger to those above me. And so here I am. Just if I had a katana, I would be a samurai. When the peasant asks me about the PS5, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like I, I don't think I really. I, like, I will say this for my thing, like, I, you know, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, like, the, the the original application process to be on this show was literally just a post on the, like, L5R Reddit being like, hey, we're going to start some podcasts. Does anybody want to be in them? Mm-hmm. But, like, fill out this application. And I, at the time, filled it out being like, this probably won't happen. And then when I got a response being like, hey, just like, we, we would like to talk to you about putting you on this podcast. I was just like, this is what? And then... It was kind yeah. of there was a lot of just sort of that wait what sort of thing going on for me in perpetuity kind of through it one because I was just like just the idea of being on a podcast was already pretty wild and foreign to me but also like I did not expect to be put into a group with people that took it very seriously not in a like in a like stick in the mud kind of way like in a like hey we have like an intention here we're going to try and do something complex and thoughtful and like we're i mean like you know and like and like and like have a serious point um which was just like i mean so like it was definitely something that i don't think i was as well equipped to come to the table with but like boy howdy i just could not have been happier or more or more flattered to have been like participating in something as cool as that like i mean all and and also i will echo what brad said like at the time i had never really gotten the chance to seriously play l5r in any long form 
Um, I had played a couple sessions and I had run a couple sessions in fifth edition. And I, I mean, it was very, it was a very superficial kind of like cursory understanding of just like, Hey, here are the basically just the aesthetic elements of the setting. And like, you know, like the, 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 the premises without any real like thought or analysis that went into it. And the complexity of what we actually got into doing there was wild to me. And I, most of the time was, I think a little out of my depth, but like the whole time I was, I was literally just the one who was just like, I'm just happy to be here just the whole time. And like, that's, that has only, uh, I would say compounded now that we've gotten into season two and I feel a little bit, just a little bit more of my element. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I definitely like, I will, I consistently joke. I signed up as like, Oh yeah, I won't get a callback, but it might be kind of a fun laugh. And, uh, what's the only job interview I was ever prepared for. And literally was like i'm not going to be a game master because i'd only ever game mastered it and so going into it was like i'm gonna be a player i hope everyone in this group is cool even if it fails maybe i'll meet some cool people and here we are still doing it two years later <laughs> later mm-hmm. yeah well you know me i never take things half acid so basically i a quarter as everything, but I keep trying to get as many different things together as possible. So we're trying to put as many asses in the fire as possible. Yeah, exactly. Is yes. that the saying? Is I that, think it is now. Is that the idiom? <laughs> so when we talk at the beginning about uh, what told eventually Irazaku be, is that we wanted to have something more local, more personal, more involved with the land, and uh, especially considering the environment that it was in summer of 2020, uh, there was an interest for some reason in approach uh, the role of police and what actually means policing and what actually are the effects of police. Don't know how. That might be something that we considered artistically relevant at the time. So the proposal came that, of course, making a magistrate game. You know, it's the classic L5R. So if we could actually say something with uh, with the spin of the classic, and uh, we ended up playing that completely to type, especially with uh, the cast of uh, player characters that we had, because. We fitted perfectly uh, the definition of police that uh, David Graeber gives on Utopia of Rules, which touches again with the fact that, oh, I went to the sword things and I ended up not doing any sword things, is that cops are bureaucrats with guns. So, Mirosaka was the story of some middle managers that were bureaucrats with katana. And the effects of them there. And the question about the effects is, well, I have this weird philosophy to most things that um, once you achieve basic competency with anything, you're going to be stuck on the paradigm and you're going to stop getting substantial gains in developing on that art form. And the best solution is to do literally anything else and look absolutely elsewhere. And again, because it was L5R, it's something I couldn't GM L5R in my sleep. Uh, so the question is, 
if I want to elevate this as an art form, if I want to get more from this, I have to look elsewhere. And what I usually do when I do on this exploration is that I usually try to get, I research a lot of things, but usually the four things that cause a stronger emotion, they are kind of the four pillars for that. And I think I already talked many times that the four pillars for Hirosaka were exactly were the shock doctrine. And we see that on the whole aspect of um, of disaster capitalism, of how there was this disaster on the river of gold, and it was a tool that uh, could be used by the nobility to entrench their powers on a zone that had been pretty decentralized and power remained at the common level. And that was a thing that the players, no matter what they did, they were a part of because they they just been there improving things. It resulted in the displacement of the local populations, of the invasion of uh, captive labor controlled by the clans, etc., etc., and uh, the other thing was was uh, first as a far uh, first as a tragedy and then as a farce, uh, which is an excellent test about how ideology works and how ideology actually works better when you don't believe on it and you are actually cynical about it. You believe it as haha joke and. Uh, Coupling with that, the Lacan's writing on uh, on uh, on the ideology of no ideology, and make me like, wait, this is exactly how L five R society works. This is actually how the limits of the imagination are imposed, and uh, that was a lot of about the themes that were there. Is that it's how it is possible to imagine a world that is different than the usual rock band and the conflicts that those caused. And uh, because of the circumstances of Hirosaki, you actually had people that were able to believe that. And the player characters were actually on the unusual situation, which they were actually the ones that bo- were bought in in the ideology. And all across the session, uh, season, we had challenges to uh, to continuing with the ideology of no ideology. Another text was uh, The Late of Heaven and I thought that was something that mixes very well with the lack of imagination because, because it will involve the Mott clan and they are known from Dreamwalkers and on L5R mythology, uh, dreams are often connecting desire, intent, and entire new worlds. So that is the thing. So the mod were uh, basically a representation functionally of the late of heaven. Uh, so what uh, I don't know how much it is obvious to, to people listening or even people having played. So the Dreamwalkers were able at at the best to see different worlds. So they were constantly in contact with another versions of seeing the world. And 
at worst, they could literally reshape reality. And the entire campaign was thematically, it was that, but it was also living on the follow-up of that. So the Mott clan, they were literally eradicated as a consequence of a changing reality and changing the world. And a question that will be underneath is, is this world changed? Uh, has the change been stopped? Or we are living to a world that has fundamentally changed and we are not aware? What happened to this potential to change? Because every single version of the, of the mod clan that disappeared, they were exactly tied to this change. And, uh, yeah, and at the end, we had the erasure of the, of the, of the mod clan for this change or for attempting a change. That was the part that was left in vague. And then we had the promise of, uh, this world not being having to be stuck like this, which was on Ante Amira because she was both an imperial and a dreamwalker. And uh, so there was this open-ended potential to, if you choose to bring this change, a vector for that. And it's no surprise that the first thing that you are told about the princess is to control or kill her. And finally, there was also another book that I don't remember that it's touched on. I, th I think it was some, some social literature, some uh, Japanese social literature from either the beginning of the 20th century or the late 19th century uh, that I'm not sure which one it was. Uh, that uh, basically echoed a lot of the, the labor teams that uh, were on the background of the main campaign, but came a bit more to the front on the summers. So yeah, that was basically how I, what I tried to make it Osaka. Now, how much of that actually worked? Well, you know how it is with this stuff. I, the Hante Amira thing... And uh, once again, we're pulling behind the curtain here. We had so many theories as to what happened to the moth. And the worst part is, and I now understand why, Ludo, you got all the giggles whenever we mentioned them, is because several times we just tap danced in a circle. We were just, we were dancing around the central idea because we knew Amira had great importance to it. We, and like, Ludo, you're too good at this. That That's, that's the principle here. You're too good at this. We had we had literally dozens of different theories about like what what the deal was with Hante Amira. I mean, like it, I very literally dozens and ones that we would disqualify shortly after making ones that kept coming back. Mm -hmm. Also, I just want to throw this out there as uh, as just a thing that it uh, that I didn't pick up on uh, or even really get close to which was the literal, actual, real lathe that we encountered, the only one of its kind in fucking Hirasaka, which was literally <laughs> over the gate down into the moth's catacombs where they did just like, I was just, just like, and just, I was just like, no, nah, we can just fucking, just, we can just take this apart. It's no big deal. Right. It's like, it's not that. And like, and out of fairness, we did roll very well and somehow managed to, I guess, like, 
I think the deal was that we like carefully. very carefully took it apart, labeled each piece, and wrote down instructions on how it was to be reconstructed. I think was the yes. was the end result. Because like, yeah, we boy. made the ship of Theseus joke several times. Like if it was we build, rebuild the lathe over there, is it the same lathe? I, I I love that you were just literally just like smacking us in the face with just like, do you get it? Do you get it? Do you we get were just it? like, no. Do you get it? The one goddamn Comrade Le Guin book I didn't read. <laughs> we were just, just absolutely did not get it. And we were just hey, like, no, look at, the this, look at this art piece about a horse. Do you get it? <laughs> What's a horse? Um, Never seen a horse in my life. Man. Osaka was so fucking cool. Me and Sam have discussed at length ways that our characters could have gone because, man, uh, as a brief introspection, again, for the, for the audience of Minoru, Minoru was so fuck was a ball of raw nerves by the end of the first season because Minoru wants so badly Rokugani Law to be perfect and right and good and for the Celestial Wheel to make sense. But Minoru, on that other hand, had to acknowledge on some level, no, this law doesn't make sense. It doesn't work. You make it work through force. But can the law be perfect if you have to enforce it that way? And that was becoming so much clearer and just grinding Minoru down to a fine, dangerous, maniacal paste that um, we discussed at various points. There was a lot of possibilities for Minoru that were wild. I I actually I gave a lot of thought to what I wanted to do with Hajime kind of over the thing and like I mean like I, I like I, I think Brad and Ludo know this Bren you may have heard me at least like allude to it at some point certainly Charlie and Evan uh, knew this but playing Hajime was like a, it was highly personal for me like I I put a lot of me into that character and like I you know I was not so much like I think thinking in sort of the broader implications of like the world and the setting and like everything. Because, like, that character was just so extremely focused on the idea of, like, he'd never had, like, he'd never, he'd always felt like he didn't belong where he was. And he just, like, spent the entire time just looking for his place and trying to reconcile that with, like, the world that he lived in, which more and more, it kind of just became obvious that he didn't really match up with that world. Um, and so, like, we've talked a lot, I mean, like, we made a lot of jokes at the time about, like, how... Hajime was just going to end up with like a just a I mean just like a a swordsmanship academy somewhere and I really I honestly cannot think of a lot of other endings for the guy because he just like that like the world did not have a place for him because he wanted because he didn't understand the world correctly he didn't understand the world that he came from or the world that he lived in and how it truly was like a brutally unfair place to be if you weren't born into good station and even as someone who you know, struggled to fit into that world. Like he still at least had way more advantages and privilege than like, you know, most people did like to at least take the time to try and figure that out. Also, I will say as a sidebar, Oh, sorry. I just real quick. I do have one, one, one thing that I do. I do just want to tell uh, any listeners also as a sidebar, uh, Ludo and I, but mostly Ludo were coming up with just a real cool, mechanical like thing where Hajime was going to end up having like weird, like void sword powers. We never got to do that. So that about cool. it to this day. I still, it was so cool. It was such a cool idea. <laughs> Cause that would be awesome. Yeah. But I got that early on, like that whole attitude of your, of Hajime's 
just because like I know the lore and I'm like oh an Asahina duelist that is so like if you know the lore you know how antithesis those two basically families are like yeah for for anyone listening who doesn't know uh the Asahina are uh famously pacifists they do not do violence this dude's thing was swords and the Kikid and Kikita are notably opposite of that. Yeah. They look for excuses to do violence. Yeah, which is they well, like, that's excuses to do violence. And, and that's kind of like that's that's sort of what ended up creating that character. It's just like that was where he was trained because like he was just like, I don't do any of this. It's like the physical stuff is what I know how to do. And so they like they sent him to go train with the Kikita. But then, you know, that's what the Kikita teach you is like. Your only thing is that you are like you are the sword of your of your lord. That's your deal. Like you are you are there to fulfill that role. And so even a little bit me creating the character, I was kind of setting myself up to I mean, again, talking about this being relatively personal, like I had an expectation of like, I'm going to do sword stuff because that was the character I'd created, both like in terms of his like way of perceiving the world and also in like the way of like, you know, just me being like, this is kind of how, like, I, this is the lens through which I interpret the game. And like, I, the cohesion between those, those kind of, between me as the player and like the character, I think were, uh, was, was really interesting and really, really fun. And ultimately like, is like, you know, it, it also, I think had some, some interesting stuff about like every time this dude had to do actual real violence to people, he didn't love it it didn't go great for him. Like he just, he like, I mean, just like the, the brutal reality of doing that violence, like very deeply affected him. And even though he'd been trained most of his life specifically to be desensitized to that, it still didn't really, I mean, just that training just didn't take. Yeah. I don't know who would expose such an innocent boy to such horrific violence. Uh, whoever does it, absolute monster, uh, horrible person, uh, and the flip-flop of that, and part of the reason why I loved Hajime and Minoru as a pair is they were exact opposites in that Hajime was never comfortable with the violence, but really good at it. Uh, Minoru wasn't ever comfortable facing a dude head-on. Minoru was comfortable doing violence. Minoru was ruthless. He saw that efficient path of, well, you want to solve the problem? I'll solve it. Uh, I won't do it in a way that is appropriate, that is respectable. You just might you just might not like it. Yeah, and but Minoru hates the fact that what he's good at is okay, well, you want to deal with this Ronin lord who's causing trouble. I'll solve the problem. Why would I risk many, many lives and innocent people getting caught up as collateral? I'll just sneak in the room and cut his head off. That Lord Nagakita arc, like that was Oh my I, like I, I remember this vividly. Um, and this is a little bit of a content warning for anybody who is like is, is uncomfortable with the idea of of accidentally hurting yourself when you're nervous. I guess is kind of the best way to put that. Uh, by the time we finished recording that, I mean it was so tense and it was so, like we were all very into what we were doing. By the end of it, I literally like I messaged into the the podcast Discord, being like, I was so stressed during this that I accidentally rubbed the skin off my elbows from how hard I was leaning on my elbows over the desk. And everybody was like, hey, you need to take a day. And I was like, yeah, probably. It, the 
whereas you were like, I have never been so angry at myself playing a character because Minoru and like, if we went back to the discord logs, Minoru did not want to bring Hajime on that, but it was this, there's only one way to do this. There's only one way to make sure it gets done. And now I have to drag him down with me. Because the boy is good at violence. It's, it's Wasn't what I he... also canonically the youngest one on that show, too? I believe. Yes. Uh, a child being brought to do an assassination. <laughs> yeah, the funniest thing is, you know, is that the the whole, uh, the whole, uh, the whole Nagokita arc came by Charlie Kane. Hey, how about, you know, instead of the usual ambiguous policing thing that we usually do, how about a simple mission with a real asshole that it's pretty black and white and like, sure, what can go wrong with that? <laughs> nothing bad could happen. Nothing bad, nothing could go wrong. Nothing could go wrong. <laughs> Then some things went wrong. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I have any more retrospectives I want to mention. I think I'm I think I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. That was the thing that we could not talk one year ago. Anything about the spring games and the weird epilogues that they were? Or do you want to talk about the secret games that nobody will ever listen to? The forbidden games. Um I will say of the spring games, I want to give a special shout out to Les Passions de Les Passions. Uh, I know I just... Oh my god, it was so good. It was so good. I Getting to portray canon characters so wildly differently than they were, I have never been more mad to be called into work. Like, I, to this day, forever, burned into my mind is listening to Evan do the voice for fucking Hida Yakimo, or I, I think he was playing yes, Yakimo, right? He was Yakimo. <laughs> just like this, just like, just, it, I, just an extreme, like, over the top sexy voice. And I was just like, this is <laughs> the wildest. Every word out of this dude's mouth was just the wildest shit I could imagine. It was so fun. I, <sighs> yeah, that was a, that was truly a time. The, the secret games, uh, they were all fun. Uh, Which I'm, secret games were these, for my own clarity? We played Shattered you know. City. But we only okay, did a so little the, bit the, of that. The experiment games. Yes, the secret games. Shattered City, Void Heart Symphony, and Sentinels. And Flying Circus. And Flying, and flying Circus. Oh, uh, Flying Circus! All right, hold on. I'm... Uh, I fucking love Flying Circus. I've mentioned this on Twitter. I've mentioned it on Split Party. I will mention it everywhere. I fucking love Flying Circus. I am a Flying Circus sicko. I know logically, like my my Sunday game lives in fear because I've told them several times, like, hey, we're gonna be playing Flying Circus stuff. They're like, but we don't know anything about it. It's like, I don't care. This isn't for you anymore. This is for me. <laughs> Not everything has to be about Ghibli. you. <laughs> yeah, watch Porco Rosso come back and we'll play it. But, but no, no more butts. This is the Brad show. Y'all are just along for the ride. And uh, I, I have some feelings about Flying Circus. I mean, even the character I was I was kind of playing for because like I didn't really. So like there was like there was the there was the Flying Circus game that kind of happened. That I didn't really take part in. That was the one that I think like was more. In Archipelago. 
Yeah, when I like wasn't I wasn't available, and then there was the one we ran for the test thing, and I did roll up a character who. Well, I roll up. I did come up with a character for this game. I know I still have the sheets somewhere. I boy, it's a real shame I didn't get to play that dude because he was just some like douchey, ridiculous rich man, just the fucking absolute most goofball character. And then by the end of our time playing Flying Circus, I remember I think I told Brad and Ludo um that i i was just like i really want to play this guy because i was just like he's just this is just my sweet my sweet idiot boy he's so dumb and he's good at playing and he is (laughs) a real dick (laughs) he doesn't want to hurt nobody and he has a fucking vampire i just want to steal the edge out of it just let me borrow the edge he has the best plane and he has a weird like just voiceless mechanical marionette butler and he's phenomenal uh he's a big idiot and i love him so much let's trade engines it'll be fine it won't hurt your plane nothing <laughs> look at all that engine you ain't got nowhere don't to go with it <laughs> don't i need the engine to fly no no you'll be fine <laughs> um i do not remember much about void heart or uh or shatter city me neither uh Mainly because I think my brain was so fried at that point that I just kind of, I just sort of blanked. I just blue screened on those, on those games a little bit. But do you remember the fourth one? Sentinels. What's that? I've (laughs) never heard of this game, actually. I'm told that we played it. I don't, it was a fugue state that I was in the whole time. (laughs) Whenever it's played, I leave my body and someone else comes in. His name is John Doe. His name is John Doe. He's the man with no past. So we actually did. Um, this is this is not for you all. This is for the listeners. Uh, so we did um, we did some test sessions with Sentinels, um, where um, this was actually before Bren was able to join us, um, and it was uh, just me and Brad playing and Ludo running a game, and we did um, a short arc. I believe it was set in Austria, Germany, Switzerland. Okay, I knew it was somewhere around there. Um, uh, in which we did a lot of just absolutely stupid buck wild things, um, before we really, I think had developed, uh, much about the actual setting. I know Ludo had plenty kind of ready, but certainly not as much as she does now. And, uh, I recall that I used the, I, I drove the motorcycle up some mountains. We were in the Swiss Alps, um, there was a also uh, because we we did know at the time we were going to be set in the seventies. Uh, there was a uh, a former U.S. political entity who will remain unnamed for legal reasons, um, unless somebody else says it later, and then just all bets are off. Famously parodied in Futurama by a headless version of himself. Yes. Yeah, that really shortens it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just one of those. Famously hangs out with. I mean, there is now. It is fair to say on Futurama they do have an entire hall of all of the president's heads, so it could be any of them. You see, but that's you missed how I uh, how I described that. Yes, <laughs> and headless. But. Yeah, it's not a head. Body. Oh, that's true. A body. True. Headless. Just go watch the entirety of Futurama and come back and listen to the rest. Or, of the uh, You'll figure it out. Google some Maryland senators. We've Governors. given you Maryland all Governors. the clues. Um, but yeah, we just got into some superhero shenanigans and it was just like, by the end of it, I think all of us were just so in love with this game and how wild it had been. 
that we were just like, I think this is season two. <laughs> like, I don't remember there. I know we t- well, like we did talk about it at length because we really wanted to choose the best one to and make we were like, little... a, a, an audible story. But and uh, to freely discuss things that we've never made. public, we were all a little worried that Sentinels would be too much inside baseball that uh, as much as we and I will continue to joke that not only are we uh, the most attractive and talented podcast, uh, we are the most That's educated true. and thematic. And also we true. worried that it would be too heavy of a theme uh, with the themes being such wonderful phrases that will not receive explanations such as ontology, uh, cybernetic socialism, uh, cybernetics, the United Third World Powers. Um, we were worried it'd be a little too weird, but clearly it was just weird enough. It's just it's just so fucking beautiful. Like the 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 in, the like Frankensteinian mashup that we have created of different themes while also somehow just like, I feel like just walking that line. I mean, I'm not trying to be, I'm not being self-congratulatory here. I'm being Ludo congratulatory, like, because just good Lord, this is such a buck wild mismatch of, of shit altogether. And it has been such a blast to, to play through and like, just, and just comics and it will, yeah, so much comics. This is extremely comics. It's like that, that, that you just described DC and Marvel. Yeah. Like right there. Uh, I do think I did come up with an interesting, with an interesting question to poise. Uh, if you had to describe this whole campaign so far, including the setting in one sentence, how would you? If DC and Marvel were produced in Chile. <laughs> <laughs> See, mine's similar. I was going to say, uh, what if David Graeber wrote Metal Gear Solid? Uh, <laughs> oh, God, no! <laughs> uh, so, for everyone who's just listening to this at home, we're actually, we can, this is, we don't usually do this, but we actually can see each other on cameras today. And so it was really interesting to watch Ludo be dealt psychic damage just in a visual <laughs> medium where I could just watch it hit her. <laughs> And just really just came straight for the throat on that one. Yeah, that's the. Um, I have no idea. I'm I'm bad at describing anything in one sentence, as I think anyone who has listened to Crimson Gold Agonies knows. Yeah, I mean, I mean, on a social media lady, Robin, she usually describes us as Watchmen, but if it was punk, uh. I think if I had to sum it on a single sentence, I would say what if capitalism was the dreamer and it was having one hell of a nightmare. I like that. That's very good. That's extremely good. Yeah, that's that's a good one. That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) And it uh, goes back to season one and its themes. Even even though we're living in a capitalist nightmare right now, no, <laughs> capitalism is in the, is the dreamer, and you are living in its dream. Yeah, that is the problem. Yeah. That, is, that the is the problem. problem. It, it is our nightmare. It's dream. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about, guys. Capitalism's going great. Everything's fine. <laughs> Everything's totally cool. Sam, that's a unique camera angle. Uh, if if there is a CIA agent standing just off screen, blink twice. <laughs> <laughs> or don't blink at all. <laughs> Everything's 
fine. <laughs> yeah. See, and that's the problem. If you were YouTubers, uh, all YouTubers are paid by CAA. It's not the case for podcasters. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah, we're, we're still cool. Yes, yeah, you should have just fucking paid us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah just pay and us. And we make a whole game about being superheroes or CIA. Oh, yeah. How great we were. I will coo any democratically elected leader in a game for money. Like. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> that sentence hurt me. Um, that hurt us all. Yeah. That was I a guess, sword. Yeah, I guess, I guess this, is, this was Brad's trying to do a segue into... Into talking about this season. So, yeah, uh, as, as we talk about, we were on our early steps of, uh, of planning on, uh, on by the time of the previous anniversary. And, yeah, this has been a long time in the making. And it's pretty weird to think that only three issues are released. <laughs> yeah. One recorded in the chamber. Yeah. How many have we recorded total? Are we on issue five? We are on issue four. We have five recorded. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So there's the one in the chamber. The secret yeah. one. That uh, Sam that's a missed. Uh, I have not heard. <laughs> <laughs> Excited. Very well, let's just say that is that has my favorite character in it. Uh, yeah, it has my favorite antagonist in it so far. And there's some great antagonists. <laughs> You know, yeah, no, because I couldn't say my, I was about to say, who's your favorite antagonist, but I couldn't say it without saying the spoiler one. Um, yeah. Because that, yeah. like. Yeah, they, they, so we only have, we, like, what, two weeks ago, we wrapped up uh, the yes. Union arc. So that's it. That's, that's the three arcs that we did. We did the, the introductory Chilean arc. We did the Argentinian one, and we, for the listeners, just wrap up the 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 British one. The emails Britain. Yeah, and by mm-hmm. the time that you are listening, this we just started on the City of Spies one, set in occupied partition at Tokyo. It's so good. Yeah, this can be yeah, very cool. Uh, uh, if this I, is. I, if this is the first episode you're listening to for some strange reason, A, I applaud your unique mind. Came up first of the feed and they were like but that one. B, you're very powerful. Go back and listen to it. Go back and listen mm-hmm. to all of that. Come here and because uh, they're great. We are, again, the most talented group of podcasters. I will fight anyone who says otherwise unless they're very strong. And then I'll fight them. Yeah. Then Sam and I will we'll team up. Uh, Speaking of, let's talk about our character. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad someone took to. that segue. All right, if we have to, Brenda, are you gonna sit there? Are you going to sit there and pretend you don't? You, if you don't want to talk about one of no, no, you have. I'm, I'm actually upset. I am flabbergasted. <laughs> Disrespect coming in here with that great character, not want to talk about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I. Here, I'll 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 close the, the previous conversation. So far, my favorite antagonist. Uh, I did really like Monocle. He sucks, and I I love him. I don't know. Mac Five was pretty funny, but I I just saw yeah I just saw James Cameron bitch out about uh, James Bond calling him a scumbag and the worst. And I was like, hmm, that's Monocle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's Monocle. That's Monocle for you. <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, Sam, I want to hear about Highwayman. Give me the trading card info of Highwayman. Oh, man. Uh, so I can explain. Um, I don't think we've talked about this on mic yet. Um, I'm going to explain how Highwaymen came about, uh, which was uh, it began the same way that me coming up with most characters for this show begins, which is with me not understanding the mechanics of the game and asking Brad for help. Um, because Brad is very helpful with this, like Brad understands mechanics and I am uh, bad at it. And it's just like, okay. It's almost like he runs a, a series of analysis on that or something. It's almost like he runs a really great uh, newsletter uh, that comes out every every few weeks or so, uh, where they where uh, he and an extremely talented other person uh, write some phenomenal analysis of games that is called Split Party, and you can find it slips or splitparties.substack.com. I assume it might be that net or something. I don't know how the internet works. Um, anyways, I um, basically messaged Brad and was just like, "Hey, I need help creating a character for this," and I think the original, um, I think the original pitch for Highwaymen was, "What if Reed Richards didn't suck?" I think that was literally like where we started, and it was just like that. I was just like, he's like more of like you know like a reasonable person with empathy, and then he became kind of an everyman. And I was just like, but I still want him to have like the you know the I've thought of everything deal. So that's what gave him the precognitive like the tactician stuff. Um, and at first I was just like, but he's an everyman. He's like this, you know, and I, I wanted to make him personal. So he is from Tennessee, which is where I am from. Um, and, uh, then kind of, uh, after a little bit, like we were just going through regular character creation. I hadn't really come up with much more past that. And then Brad specifically said this thing about like, now what if he was, and hear me out a veteran of a secret war on the moon. And I was just like, I have no fucking clue where you came up with that, but yeah, yeah, that's what we're doing. Um, and that was pretty much it. We kind of just ran from there. And I have done a lot of, uh, thinking about and writing about that since then, but boy, howdy. Um, yeah, the character concept, it just kind of kept being, we just kept throwing more things on a fire until it was a very big fire. And I was just like, now we're cooking with gas, which is not, I didn't intend to kind of go in that direction when I started this metaphorical description, but you know, we ended up here and, and happy second anniversary, everybody. I, uh, I wish I could say that I knew where from deep in my brain came secret moon war veteran, but, um, there's just a Rolodex constantly spinning it here and it spits out ideas sometimes. Uh, and they just have to be secret moon war veteran. Rolodex. It's connected like oh a hemi, so it spins pretty fast. <laughs> no, it's just like you're hemi, old so enough it keeps to remember. on fire, and then just like yeah. a card flies out of it, and you're like, uh, secret moon war. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, before I describe John Doe, because I'll go next, we'll save the best for I actually, last. Oh, okay. Because I was gonna say, I've, I, I, I was gonna say, I very much want to know more about the the creation of Berserk here because I feel like I kind of Brent just kind of showed up with this great character, and I was just like, with just like all the shit like fleshed out, and I was just like, wait, what just happened? This is rad. So, um, yeah, I want to hear about John Doe so that I can hear about Berserk here. Um, so John Doe. So, uh, secret facts about Brad, in case you haven't read Split Party, which what are you doing? I love comic books. I, uh, it's an addiction. It's a problem. 
And I've secretly always really loved the martial artist characters in comic books. I love martial arts movies. I combat sports are super cool. Uh, and I was sitting there and I randomly rolled up John Doe and amnesiac characters in anything can be very well done or they can be horrible. There's no middle ground and comics loves using amnesia as a crutch for not wanting to write an interesting character. And when I rolled the amnesiac background, Ludo is the first, she's the first game master in my entire career that I was like, you know what? She'll actually do something cool with this. She won't make me just some weird loser. It'll work. Um, <laughs> and the funny thing is that me, Brad, and Brad know exactly what was the payoff of the amnesiac, and Sam does not. So we are just exchanging glances while Sam is clueless. I, I uh, again, in some of those those in some of the dark talks between between Brad and I, I've started to get a glimpse into this. I, I have kept the best reveal. I have kept the best reveal secret. So John Doe ended up coming out as what if Kurt Russell from Big Trouble Little China woke up in L.A. with $25 in his pocket, a switchblade comb, and a note that says, do what comes natural. And the only thing that has come natural to John Doe since is punching. Uh, John Doe's been super cool because of that, because I get to... John Doe is in a weird way, become a way more fun Wolverine when originally he was supposed to be a way more fun Jason Bourne. Um, and I love it. Wolverine, if he wasn't a dick all the time. Yeah, he's Wolverine if he wasn't a dick all the time and hung out with hippies in the late 60s. Like, hey, what's up? <laughs> and it rules. I love playing John Doe and Ludo at every turn when I'm like, I don't know what to do with John Doe. She always brings the coolest plot points like, hey, this is what you should do. I'm like, how do you know? It's how did you know before I knew? Um, It's great. I love it. Okay, I guess it's my turn. So a bit of a background. Uh, I am of Scandinavian descent. I'm like fourth generation uh, immigrant. So, of course, my grandparents had like uh, a children's book of Scandinavian. Viking mythology. <laughs> and trust me, the, I, I wish I was, tr- I've been trying to find that book ever since for a while now, but it's like, it's boxed up somewhere, but this had some terrible, terrifying and beautiful, like, uh, oil paintings. It's like my first, uh, like it was almost Frank Frazetta. Like, I'm not sure if he did the artwork, but it was really that. So that's, so this is also coming from like a culture that I was kind of like raised to be a part of a little bit, you know, constantly overlaid with this stuff was the old ways. And now we worship Jesus. Well, well, I won't get into my whole, (laughs) that portion of my life, which I do not want to talk about. But anyways, uh, basically I wanted to go with a person that, you know, there's this whole story. It's a trope. It's a, bad trope that needs to be explored more of the person goes to the far east learns from the mystic minority becomes a better person i'm like why don't we have that like because there's so i i know we lost a lot of like uh european like and in most of the indigenous european histories due to you know christianity basically taking over and ousting everything 
but I, I don't know the whole history. I know there's only one indigenous Europeans left, and that's the Sotmi. If I, I don't even know if I pronounced that correctly. I'm sorry, I'm, ram- I'm rambling. So I was thinking, like, what if a person went to their own history to find themselves that way instead of, you know, going to the Far East or going to, like, Africa or some place like that? And that's where it started. And that's basically what I was working on when I came on the show. So the whole idea of having a fleshed out character is like, that is so just me coming up with stuff on the fly. I, I was also raised in a, th- in a theater. So I'm, I'm pretty good at improv. I'm not the best of actors. I was always the person. I always preferred being behind the scenes. Uh, but that's where Berserkier came from. And it kind of evolved. Like they lent, they, crashed at a young age on the shores of what we were now calling the savage lands. Cause of course you got to use that word for a land of dinosaurs and stuff like that. But uh, I don't even know what the, what they call the, like my, the people there call the land yet. I, I need to figure that out. I need to look up some words in old Norse or something, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's mostly me just, Hey, this so the way I come up with a character is like I have a general outline of how they react to things. And that's it. It's like, okay, they would react this way. Let's see where this goes. And I just make some stuff up on the spot. So that, that's basically what I do. <laughs> and it works too well. I'm too fond of Berserk here. I, I, it's the perfect <laughs> angle to explore the world, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. And it makes me jealous. <laughs> Like, because like, I can ask questions like what I what, which is coming up like what were the moon wars, which we have not we we just explored in the last episode. Sadly, Brad, you were not there. You had to go had to go be a trade stop. I know. Yeah, and listener, you will only know in September. Yeah, sadly, <laughs> I'm sorry. We gonna find out. Yeah, but it was really good. We really went deep into the Moon Wars. And like my character can ask that because they don't know the world. They live their entire lives on a, in an isolationist society that was uh, that is now being introduced to the global uh, scene and is now being exploited. So... <laughs> which is also being revealed later, I think. Uh, so basically the, basically the, the, what, what is, what is the trope? I can't remember what the trope is called. It's the, the audience proxy almost. Oh, um, I think that's kind of true. There is also there. I know there is a specific trope of like someone from just like a far away land coming to our world. And like, I don't know what it's called. I mean, I, I know that, that it's exists. like, I, I, it's like what Naruto is like. Naruto is, yeah. like, Oh, dumb. He, like, even though he's part of that culture, he's kind of dumb and he can always ask, well, what is that? Shonen protagonist. Um, yeah. Basic term for it. I can't remember. It's gone. I, I can't, I can't it's definitely an audience surrogate. Yeah, it's an audience yeah. surrogate for sure, which is why, which is part of, which is simply the first petal of the flower of why Berserkir rules. Yeah, and uh, so are you telling me that 970X is an isekai for Berserkir? 
yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, we already knew it was anime. Get another one. Get <laughs> oh another one to the audience. Oh, no, again. Crimson Dolagony says anime. Hey, yeah. hey, 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 audience. Anime away. is hey, shit. Audience, 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 come here. It's going to be okay, all right? We're probably not going to do another one in season three. We probably won't do another Isekai to you in season three, probably. I, I, if it's we play Fellowship, fun. now I'm going to play the outsider and be an Isekai character. <laughs> well, season three. Season three. Recording. I just promised the we got to make the audience feel okay. Yeah, season three is gonna be what I'm thinking so far. It's gonna mm-hmm. be a music guy. Sorry. Good. <laughs> Literally. Oh god. I no, hate audience. that I love this. I hate that I love this. Berserk here is the reason I'm so fond of it is I love Thor comics. Uh, mm-hmm. The the, pay, the Norse deity I have no strong relation to, uh, but I'm his son. Sorry. Berserkir. My last name is Thorson, so I, love I don't that. know. Yeah, rules. I just, I knew, I just, I, I, I figured that because <laughs> Thor in comics is kind of interesting in a lot of ways, but Berserkir takes all the coolest parts about Thor: magic, ridiculous transformations, hammer, being a cool audience surrogate, and just makes them better. Thank you. Uh, as Thor is out, Berserkir is in. <laughs> Thor is over. I, I, I've often thought like how our characters like would react if we were thrown in like either the DC or the MCU or something like that. It'd be awkward. Oh, they it would be, it would be so awkward. Oh yeah, they will hate it so much. It would jump Iron Man? I, mean, I can tell. Oh yeah, yeah, we would totally jump Iron Man. I can tell you how this would go, and it's like the answer would be I think. The like I think Johnny Jennings and the Punisher would kill each other. Oh, That's just kind of that would help. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I think they would just both die in that fight, and that would be it. So good. God, I mean, like, yeah, no, I mean, I, I like honestly, as we said, Iron Man. I mean, well, it's like I guess probably for me it would be Reed Richards. It'd be like I fucking hate this guy. So I would either either me and the Punisher would murder each other, or uh, or. Somehow Johnny Jennings would become BFS with Dr. Doom. <laughs> yeah. And try and, and like at various times be like, hey dude, can you chill out? As like, yeah. no, as you're like no, your ideas are good and like stick with them. You're doing just but like chill out. Come on. Just like, normal. Probably but join us, Magneto. Yeah, oh, yeah. I I know I know he has some problems, but like he like he's got great ideas. He just needs a better direction to achieve those ideas. I mean, I, like, but yeah. And I also know, know that uh, John Doe joining the Flag Smashers. He needs to vote the Sentinels out. I think Berserk here would be one of the. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I think Berserk here would be the one being that could probably stand up to Superman just because. Everybody seems to forget that when you get hit with magic, when Superman gets hit with magic, it's like it's a normal thing. It's pretty good. So, like, oh, I go up against Superman. Well, I just got an axe in his chest. Yeah, he's regenerating fast, but that axe just did a big gash in him. I mean, it was like, and then, and then we, and then people like, like Superman dies because Bezzer here is just like, you're objectively not doing good shit. And that's like a thing. And then the whole world splits yeah, into yeah. like you crazy suck. factions. Mm-hmm. 
where like all of a sudden people genuinely do care a lot about politics in the DC universe where they didn't before. Yeah. And maybe they will like, you know, get rid of like some of the bad people like Lex Luthor. President Lex Luthor. I'm Lex Luthor and I'm coming to you live for former president Luthor coming to you live from my Kansas ranch. Oh God. I forgot he was president. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I'm just saying you that we see need to you get- predicted a uh, 2016. Hold on. I'm Lex. I'm Lex W. Luther. President Luther divested his interests. You cannot compare 2016 to Lex. Oh, yeah, he, yeah, good point. Good point. He gave Luther up ownership of Lex <laughs> Luther is at least smart. He gave it up to Talia al Ghul, which is still kind of weird being like, hey, here's this brainwashed assassin. She, she'd probably be an okay CEO. Yeah. Comics are dumb. I love them. Yeah, they are so dumb. Yeah, he's not that the blood of secession. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Other anime. I, 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 I haven't watched that or read that or whatever it is. <laughs> I haven't watched it, but I, I know enough about it to know that that is, in fact, the plot of Succession. <laughs> Prestige TV is just anime. The sickos were right. Yeah. It's, yeah. It was always going to be. It, like, color literally no one shocked. Just Prestige TV figuring out, like, how can we finally escalate drama to a a reasonably appropriate, uh, just fucking do you just do an anime. We know you are game of Thrones. I see you. Mm-hmm. You're anime. Oh, yeah. game of Thrones is fucking anime as hell. Game of Thrones is a perfect anime. Cause that's a bad ending. Yeah. Hot takes left and right. The game Never of Thrones ending is bad. Anime. Anime. Making bad anime. <laughs> Awful endings. Yeah. Whoa. Did I could argue say- about the Sopranos one, but you know what? We'll, Did you we'll say, say Breaking that. Bad? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Go, 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 Breaking go. Bad is an anime because Walt White developed superpowers at the end. Yeah, again, <laughs> awful ending. He literally, he literally met, uh, intimidates Bill and Melissa Gates with two losers and the laser pointer. Come on. He would be killed by a, a mercenary army before he even got to the building. Come yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you want to go into details of. Uh, of these season arcs, well, other characters, because we've been talking about the cast. I want to have at least 15 minutes of conversation just about Enrique. <laughs> 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 what if you? I love Enrique. There's fucking nothing it, to say about Enrique. He's fantastic. Uh, it, it is always the same reaction when Sam remembers him making Enrique a cop. <laughs> It's so funny every time. They just forgot that they made the cops. And then, wait, they're telling me Rick is a retired cop. Sam, I love you because I did. I literally, I literally, it was a choice I literally made. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if we've like specifically said this on mic for the listener. Uh, listener, the reason that I make sure that Enrique is invited to lunch every single fucking time we do one is because I came up with Enrique. I was just like, this is my guy's fishing buddy. And then and then I was just like, and now he has to be in every fucking side scene because he's a dumbass. I love him. He's I so love cheap. his weird his weird goblin energy when it comes to <laughs> eating out in front of a group of people. And he's like, no, fuck you. I'm not going to. It's like, don't order anything from I'll take the soup, it's free (laughs) Yeah The thing is, every Latin person Knows at least 10 Enriques So 
yeah, I, that's that's yeah, that's got to be true because I I married into a Latin family and I know it, Enrique. <laughs> I, I I live I live with several folks who are Latin and uh, at, at every birthday party and or regular party that I've been to, there are at least a couple Enriques there. Yeah, <laughs> told you it rules. It's it's the, the right. Yeah, <laughs> man, all of the character. <sighs> Even the rest of System 4 rules. And I'm genuinely curious to dig into each other member of System 4's backstory just to find out why they be that way. And we don't have enough time in the day for me to be like, so... Now, what about this guy? What what, what is your deal? Like, we know you don't want to go back to Brazil. We know you've wrecked England. That's why they said John Doe. Uh, And we know you leave a (laughs) string of lovers that that just miss you very badly in your wake. What's up with you? What kind of mysterious life are you living? <laughs> yeah, that's my biggest regret is that I don't think I characterize the rest of System 4 enough. Uh, my biggest weakness about the way that I run things is that I bring things into the table. Look, this is this nice thing. And... It is, and if you don't interact with it, it's doing its own thing. And, I'm uh, going to show you this nice thing and set it down, and then I'm going to show you this other nice <laughs> thing and set it down. Yeah. Which one of the nice things would you like to take a closer look at? Because we only have them. time for one. No, no. This, this goblin, and everyone points to Voidwalker. This one's going to get all the time. Voidwalker, <laughs> look, maybe you stop making such compelling goblin. Why are we releasing this? Is this going to be... Soon, I would assume it's probably soon. Uh, yeah, uh, it's gonna and uh, the the first. Uh, so the the good thing is that there's at least for everyone, but Subaran, unfortunately, that is the thing that I regret the most. There is going to be an arc that is more or less about each of the other members of System Four. We're gonna have the Lens Flare arc, uh, and uh, we're gonna have the Kenyona arc. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't think there's going to be a Subaran arc unless I find a way, but I really want to put her in. Uh, also, I made the mistake of making a superhero that is super buff. buff. She's very good at combat. Uh, her powers <laughs> and muscles lend to that. She's also very good at support, but she does not like fighting. Uh, I forgot how role-playing games work. So <laughs> 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 that also means <laughs> not going to get many opportunities. Uh, and uh, and yeah, uh, these will drop after the uh, after the the first episode of what w- can be said is the Void Walker arc. Okay, see that's that that was actually to my question because that means I can in fact uh, explain that. Boy, howdy, I am really enjoying digging into Void Walker's whole deal because the oh. more we get in there, I'm just like, what the fuck? Where did you come from, you weird little goblin child? I like I would kill I would I would burn the world for you you fucking insane little monster. Yeah, turns out teen not going to school orphan superhero not very normal. I love uh, her goblin energy and John Doe's goblin energy are gas and flame they feed off each other because a reasonable healthy child would be like a uh, slight spoiler uh, no, no, fake dad. I'm not going to hit this kid with a baseball because you offered to buy me a bike. But uh, 
You see Voidwalker's little goblin and a regular healthy adult would not be like, yes, hit this child with a baseball because their mother disrespected me in this suburban Game of Thrones. But uh, John Doe is, uh, is a goblin, and so the two goblins have achieved goblin synthesis. Uh, speaking of, uh, this is not super related, but I did pitch a, or pick up a new tabletop game today. Uh, it's called Business Wizards. I haven't looked through it, but it looks really promising. It's a book like this big. Ooh, I love micro RPGs. It's fantastic. I'll just, I'll, I'll, I hate that term. I wish I could say I'll send you a PDF, but I did. I, I bought it in an actual store, which was which was fine. What's a store? Exactly. Oh, it's fine. Yeah, it's 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 a place that is a prison for some people and a relief for others. It's weird. Wow. And Chris Gold Agony's rules. Oh. Uh, yeah, but the thing is with uh, the the rest of the system for is that they are relatively, let's say, <laughs> functional adults. So, you know, when they're not doing this shit, they are doing other stuff. So they are going on with their life. Other than Kenyon, Kenyon is probably even, it's like, if, what if somehow... John Doe was even more himbo, but also better at fighting. How dare <laughs> she? Yeah, so she's just going around picking fights when she's not on screens. <laughs> I'm trying to remember from I I like it's been a hot while since I listened to the beginning of this season. Isn't Kenyona who Johnny Jennings like it has his first like on camera system for interaction with? Yes. Okay, I thought so. Um, I think Kenyona scares Johnny a little bit. I think Johnny's just a little scared of her. <laughs> John Doe game recognizes games. John Doe isn't scared of Kenyona, but he under like it's that meaningful look between people. <laughs> it's, it's not even that. It's, it's not. It's not because like I. I don't think at any point Johnny's like, no, Kenyona's going to beat my ass because that's like just not what her. That's not why she like she wouldn't do that. But he's just like, I think he, it's just weird. I, I think he thinks like it's weird how much she can just tap into like what his deal is immediately and him just be like, I don't I don't want you to know about my this is, I don't want you to know about how sad I am. Stop that. That makes me uncomfortable. Also, I resent the remark functional adults because they have normal social lives and friends outside of work. <laughs> I mean, listen, j- listen, I will say uh, there's a lot of shit I could say about friends outside of work. What's that? I mean, very real. Um, there's a lot I could say about Johnny Jennings. I will absolutely say this. He is a functional adult. Like he has friends and he has like a real job and like, you know, he has stuff. But no, yeah, Johnny Jennings is a functional adult. He's got. He's got like a real job, like he's got like a, a professor job that he goes and does, and he has friends for friend reasons. That he's just like, this is my fishing friend. Does he kind of suck? Sure, but he's my fishing friend. So like, Johnny is a functional adult. Is he a deeply emotionally traumatized person as well? Yes, he's both. But he does he does function to some extent. As a professor, I'm pressing X on mm-hmm. the controller so hard, I'm breaking it. Also, I feel like this gets lost in the shuffle. He is also a professor of physics. That's that's why he that's why he got the moon war job. 
He knows physics. That's why he's that's that was that was my justification for the precognition thing. <laughs> yeah, it makes it makes sense to me. I think the one thing I can't role play is a functional adult. Yeah. Because I never learned how to be a functional adult. <laughs> and isn't Johnny Jennings a professor, but not in physics? Isn't he a communications professor or something? Yeah, he's a communications <laughs> professor. Um, he has he has doctorates in both, but nerd. Uh, he is a he is a communications professor. I mean, you know. So how about those those TAs? I worry about them. speaking out functionally. <laughs> yeah. Because at this point, well, we haven't had a scene at the university in a little while. Uh, it's, they're just... One of them's going to turn into a supervillain. I mean, almost certainly, but not for like, not for anti-Chile reasons, more for like, just like, just, just fuck all this shit. I'm done. One of the weirdest things that uh, I don't think it comes off probably to the listeners how weird it is, is that... Highwayman is actually the one of the whole system for that is actually a government employee. He's actually worked for the communist government when everyone else is actually part of a non-governmental organization now that the cybernetic socialists are not in power anymore. I'm extremely a government employee. I work for the government. Uh, John? John Doe would be homeless if not for this job. It's like I, I don't know how I got this job. Do I talk? Do you talk? I don't know. I think we're kind of in a fairly open forum. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of like just I'm scared of forums specific. I really want a fair. Uh, Ever since the flame wars of the mid 2000s. Oh boy! Oh god! I miss forums. Yeah, forums are great. I do, but I don't. Oh, well, for, well, basically, I never really. Uh, this this is beside the point. I never really participated in forums, but I use them a lot to try and figure stuff out. Yeah, exactly. Instead of having the same conversation every single week, yeah, just pinpoint, reject Twitter, return to forum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like just other cool shit about the season to talk about because, like, I feel like. I mean, it's easier if we go arc by arc, I think. So anything yeah. about uh, the the Chinko arc? The which arc? The Chinko, the first one, the Chilean oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where we showed Lord Durax. Boy. Just, yeah, Lord Durax. And also Mac 5. And also figured out what we were doing. Yeah, speaking of Red Richards. God, that's just so wild to think about because it was like a full year ago. One of the first moments that I knew that this group was truly going to be as rad as we could be was when Lord Durax appears and starts trying to threaten us and immediately we just start shredding him or being too dumb for him to upset. Uh, the the one that recently popped up in my memories is Lord Durax looking at John Doe and just, if you knew better, you would leave. Are you the defenders of this land? We don't and I am. <laughs> like, and it just cracks me up that we just immediately like, what are you doing here? You're a weird that alien. Such fan, a son. comic response to, or, or such a pulp character response. It was so perfect, especially just like the fact that everyone joined in and just well, and 
Johnny immediately went berserk here. So I'm like, well, he comes from a tradition rich in dissing people. So like, you're just going to have to take this. This is just how his people do things. Like mm-hmm. every, their people, their people. I apologize. Oh, I, I didn't know who you were talking about. So, but their people, this is how their people do things. And just everyone joining in on just roasting Lord Durex. I, yeah. I mean, I loved it a lot because like, that is one of my favorite things. Cosmic fail son. That, that's like one of my very favorite things in comic books is just good banter boy we got it we we just like because we, we didn't really have the chance to do much bantering or just like sort of ad-libbing like that in like the first season because it was just like there was just more of a like we had to conduct ourselves with samurai dignity so even when we got the chance to banter which was definitely less it was like very sort of stilted and poised and we had to make just sort of veiled jokes and like we had to lean into that and then this one we're just like look at you you fucking idiot you came to earth to do what do you shut up you fucking moron you're a dumb alien <laughs> just like being shitty to this guy and then absolutely whipping his ass and then i guess putting him in the center of the earth which was the wildest possible but also most just like absolute slam dunk of a thing i mean i guess kind of literally thing that we could have done to this guy well if you remember we didn't do that that was mac five mac five into the and then we beat up mac five like i I, (laughs) I was very confused like i thought lord durax was like the big bad no it was mac five the whole time truly the cia was the big bad once again yeah and we just fucking cia is a true big bad Captain America and and the Winter Soldier versus Iron Man on Mac Five, <laughs> just all just beating him like he owed us lunch money. Also, another thing I really loved about the first arc is we got to see with Ludo continuing her tradition of setting dangerous landmines, being like, "Hey, you shouldn't step there," and us being like, "But they're all over the place." Um, I know. Look at me putting me even more. <laughs> the Chilean government's treatment of the anarchist column. The fact that, like, we start seeing that then, that they were just like, no, we're done with them. They helped during the revolution. Cool. Let's turn on them. Uh, and the the problems Chile is still facing, it ruled. Because now looking back, I'm like, man, this is going to get worse. And we're, we're, we keep stepping on these landmines. It's getting a little, it's getting a little dangerous out here. Uh, it's very cool. God, I, I forgot what movie it was. It's like a German movie with a kangaroo. And like, they, he asks, what are you? Uh, communist. Well, I'm an anarchist. We can be friends till the revolution is over. And then it gets complicated. <laughs> yeah. And that is the vibe of that first episode. When we kept, like John, an important reminder that I'm sure we'll have no bearing later. We get in trouble in that episode because we don't hand over the anarchist leader. Yep. It's been about a year. So I thought I would remind everyone. Yeah. Like, yeah, that is, that is one of the things I do still remember. It's like, we were supposed to do this and I know we were, but also like, I just, I like Johnny is not like, cannot necessarily see himself as like ideologically opposed to this guy. Like we don't necessarily feel the same way about stuff, but like, we're not in opposition. So he was just like, I'm not going to do that. Like he didn't, I'm not going to just, I'm not going to cop on this man. Like, that's just not my vibe today. Yeah. And then the, at the beginning of the next star, uh, he is being called to the principal's office. It's fucking goes to the principal's office and has to have a long conversation with the principal. <laughs> Johnny literally shows up in the principal's office and says, we're not so different. You and I. 
Yeah, like... Also, we got the first landmine, I'm sure, that is uh, Berserkir's homeland being attacked by both empires. I'm sure that'll have no no bearing on future events. Should be fine. Oh, yeah, well, they're fine. They're, they're all they're fine. <laughs> the, the, the thing is that Sam... My land's going to be perfect the exact same way I left it. Yeah. The thing is that Sam already figured the trick. They figured out that if they never follow up because of the way my GMing works, if they never open the box, the problem does not happen. <laughs> like straight up. I mean, honestly, this is this is what I was thinking about this. Like, it just sort of after the fact, I was like, I'm never going to have another meeting with the president. And I'm sad about that. But at the same time, I will be at his funeral, and I'm happy about that. Because, like, we did kind of touch on he wasn't feeling well, and he was having some doctor stuff, and I was just like, he's going to die, and then some stuff, some like, some bad political stuff is going to happen, but also Johnny's going to be at his funeral. <laughs> That'll be one of those between-arc scenes. And it's going to be raining. Somehow it's raining and chilly. Absolutely. It has to be. I, I, and, uh, I remember correctly, Chili's in a rain shadow, right? Most of it. Oh well, yeah, but I believe again, so. Chili is massive. It's yeah, a long Chili boy. is big. Like Chili is. We'll forget a long how boy. big like the south, southern half of the unit, the the world. Not. God dang it! My American centricism <laughs> came in first. <laughs> USA, southern USA. Half, <laughs> the southern half of the world is pretty freaking big oh yeah it's huge but they draw the maps in a goofy way yeah yeah projection is a- america has to be the biggest on the map and then we can put everybody USA, else USA. <laughs> usa usa all right i'm over now uh, fine. greenland is always bigger than the than the usa on those maps too so well yeah but it's green and africa is all is also is also the size of the usa when in reality <laughs> yeah not quite bud <laughs> And, and then the second arc. What was the second arc? It was nobody help me. Argentina. Ah, uh, was Philip the Dolphin? I. So I've mentioned this to everyone else off screen, but I think it's important to mention that we all accidentally created the perfect send up of the Silver Age in comics. Uh, it was totally unintentional, but we have. In the late 70s is when you had the real psychedelic comics come out with Thor and exploring space. Uh, You had your rise of the cowboy characters became popular again. Jonah Hex, Rawhide. uh, And you had the Karate Man. uh, You know, your white guys who knew Kung Fu were real big. In addition to the rise of things like talking animals. um, Weird super science alien plots. And somehow... Ludo, at least somewhat intentionally, all of us a little bit intentionally, but not as purposely as I wish we could all claim, have just done a perfect send up of that era. Um, and I think it's encapsulated perfectly by Philip the Space Dolphin. But uh, Philip is, I love, I love Philip. I love him so much. I hope he's doing okay. <laughs> Sam, you, you first encounter Philip. You, you talk about Philip. So Johnny Jennings fought Philip the Mech Dolphin on the moon. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's the thing. You did not fight him in the moon. You I actually did. fought him on Earth. He was a, just a little baby because he was a purpose that was born in a space station in the moon. He was an experiment from day one. 
Yeah, he's just a little baby. He's just, just a little guy who... And the moment was, he was born, he saw Iron Man and hated him. Well, and, like, and like, that's one of the reasons that I thought that was so fucking great is because, like, truly, like, they had nothing to be... Like, they didn't... They, I, I guess, okay, like, these two characters have... Uh, like, again, like the anarchists in the first arc, like, there was ideological common ground between the two of them. But, like, at the end of the day, the thing I loved about that so fucking much was just that, like, in this, like, cybernetically augmented dolphin, Johnny ends up seeing himself because he ends up seeing just, like, how bad this horrible, horrible conflict, this awful, awful thing, which, like, I mean... Brad, this is the stuff you missed when we uh, like in the in the last recording is just like how this horrible fucking thing really, really brutalized everybody who participated in it, including this dolphin that was granted sentience like and like so at the end of that, he's just like, how could I not try to help? Like, I know I feel bad about this all the time. If I could make someone else not feel bad about it all the time, then I'm going to. And that was just I thought that was such a specific stroke of brilliance i was so happy with with that it was i just realized i, I just uh, i i really liked uh what's his name the the shonen protagonist grandpa <laughs> border gore border gore that's it that's it yes uh i like that you know that that's where my kind of like how my characters react is like that's that's the most important thing I think in a role playing game is how you react and the reaction of, Oh, this is a challenge for them. Uh, I'm hoping it goes somewhere, but I don't know. Order Gore and Philip were just such a weird, fun pairing to appear in the same arc. Mm-hmm. Cause Philip is, I mean, I, I don't know if it ended up in the final recording, but the what did Philip just do that route? Nothing. It's called depression is the perfect summary of like <laughs> that is depression. Like Philip wants to do something to help because we told we we asked him to, but he's just he don't he can't. And that's gonna happen. He doesn't have the he doesn't have the the energy and border gore. He doesn't have the spoons. Who when we encounter. He wouldn't know what to do, even if he like he wouldn't know what to do, even with the opportunity. Like, was literally, just like just, I don't know what can I do. Yeah, and like Border Gore being the opposite, Border Gore, due to the implications of the conversation, also needed help. And do we have the the battle of wills represented by actual battle mechanics? That's John Doe just asking hard hitting questions like, "Why are you doing this?" Why do you, if this is what your revolution is, why the fuck are we even trying? And it hits so hard because Philip's right there. Like Philip called us for help, but we helped border Gore too. And it perfectly system four could be a really boring super team. If all we did was go around punching dudes. Cause like you could find a million super teams that just punch people in comics. Uh, but it does it. And that's what makes it rule. Is that yeah? We like we punch people. We do other cool stuff, and that's what's cool. A lesser superhero RPG podcast will just have to lock both of them up in a prison, and putting a dolphin in prison is wrong. We all protest against SeaWorld for it. Like, yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> everybody's mad about it. I, I especially like the dungeon, uh, which I feel like it. 
I think it represented like Philip's face to the world. Like as we get deeper in the dungeon, we get deeper into Philip's psyche. Uh, Cause like when we finally met Philip, he was the complete acting, the complete opposite from his holograms that were showing. Yeah. And that's like really deep. Like I don't know how, how a lot of people with depression act like at least myself is like, Oh, I'm going to put on this happy face for everybody. So that nobody worries about me. Uh, I just thought everything about that arc was just so, so phenomenally done. Yeah. It was just, it was so well put together. Also, uh, there were, uh, Mecca eels, uh, which was also, that was, that was just, uh, it was sort of, sort of a side detail, but I was a big fan of the Mecha eels. That was super great. I was, I was thinking of that. We need to do just like a side story of just the Mecha eels and Philip. We don't have to use the Sentinel system or anything else. Just like maybe some. <laughs> no, we're just gonna give them a sitcom. They just have a fucking sitcom yeah. of their own. I, I, the Mecha eels rule. Like, I'm glad we played the the chambered arc out of order, though, because the scene where the old John Doe comes out, I think I would have done really differently had we not done the secret arc first. And it be having showing that side of who John Doe was, the the sleazy CIA gunrunner was some of the most fun. And I have to give props to my castmates because their reaction of I don't like John Doe like that. I don't like sleazy fast talking like perfect payoff for it. It's like and it ruled. I loved doing uh, it. Oh, Jason Bourne. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It was just like Jason Bourne kind of suddenly getting to that. Jason Bourne. <laughs> Jason Bourne. But it's John Doe talking about, oh yeah, we'll oh you guys wanna you wanna solve your government problem here. Let me get you a couple of crates of old ooh, M16s. These are left over from the moon war. Barely even fired. Like, and I hate it. Hate being it, but loved the reaction. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's no secret that the Marposa arc. I really, it's kind of, to me, it's closest that we got to a platonic season two arc. If I like, if I had to say what is a season two arc, uh, yeah, it's Marposa. Marposa probably is the closest to a summary of what it is. I would agree with that. I, I would say it hit, it hit all the beats of just like, it hits our setting a little bit. It hits like, you know, just us as characters and like our, our, both like our sort of overt and deeper elements like it. And I want to briefly touch again, a theme that I don't know how intentional it is because Luda doesn't reveal her secret syllabus to us until the end. Uh, Occasionally we'll see glimpses of it, but it's kind of, it's beautiful in that way that we don't know what we're looking at. Uh, The past is a big theme of this series because we're materialists you know materialism says that the past always affects the present and seeing what's ontology what's what what is ontology spooky ghosts spooky ghosts ah <laughs> seeing the two supers astra and luna interact with highwayman and both of them miss what the other was trying to say but it still be perfectly logical and they took away something they needed to hear from it i loved it I loved that too. I'm gonna talk about. I'm gonna gas up everyone's conversation. That ruled. 
Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, like honestly, and it was like at first it was a little bit partly because I as player misunderstood what we were talking about, and then kind of like I like I mean you know the more we got into that conversation, I realized like the different like what we were talking about was different things. I was like, but this is also how Johnny would feel about it. This is exactly how he would feel about it. So that was like really interesting to me, just to like have a conversation with people who have thoughts on the past, but didn't like live those parts of the past and didn't like, you know, like have that sort of like lived experience. I thought that was really, really interesting. And like, I just, uh, yeah, that whole conversation was great. Astro and Luna were very, very fun characters. I enjoyed them a lot, which is why we brought them to lunch with their weird mouse. Bingus is the greatest. And if this is going to turn into Bingus slander, I'm going to need to leave. I, no, Bingus is. Bingus she drives is, a tank. What more? What? Well, how? How better can you get? Like a mouse driving a tank. And he speaks in Morse code. It's revolutionary, Stuart Little. <laughs> <laughs> what? What if Stuart Little was a tanky? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yes. Seeing your faces as I say these things makes me so much stronger. I should also clarify for those who don't know that there is a real uh, entity in the world named Bingus uh, that is uh, that is that has Internet fame. That is not we're not talking about the naked cat that that one guy from TikTok loves. We're talking about a cool mouse that drives a tank. What if Stuart Stuart Little was a tank? What if Stuart Little wanted to get shit done? I mean, uh, you know what is the background skill of uh, Bardagar? What? What if an Italian was a tanky? <laughs> <laughs> I, Border Gore. All right, I, you don't have to answer now. I'm not going to put you on the spot of that, but we're, we're going to get more Border Gore, right? Like, Border Gore isn't gone. I probably. The thing is, that Border Gore kind of dominates too much with yeah. whatever it is. It's like, it's the kind of things that. Uh, yeah, again, going back to my flaws as a GM, the more likely something is to dominate the scene I've brought up, the less likely I'm going to be the one to suggest it. It's, yeah. So, you know, there's a reason why Void Walker usually only appears when you summon her, because the moment the goblin is unleashed, <laughs> the moment containment out. is breached. <laughs> Whatever, whatever, again, whatever one goblin is unleashed, the the second one. Oh, man. Second arc ruled. It was extremely good. The whole thing about the whole thing was just just phenomenal. I was listening to that recently and I just it was still wild to me how like caught up in just sort of the the poetry of just this uh, this Italian man just adding sugar to his espresso. (laughs) I got just like it's just was it, what if what if coffee was Italian? <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm not gonna claim that we are the best podcast, but you will not find any podcast like ours. No, no, almost like we're the only podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we are the first podcast. Yeah, well, technically, we started on the seventies, so that makes us the first. Yeah. We this is the, welcome to the very first podcast. They found our podcast on the Rosetta Stone. <laughs> Second arc was so good. Oh. I just I feel like it was the one that certainly set. Like I mean, like we kind of had like 
I mean, I know Ludo had some pretty rock solid foundations going into the first arc, but we all as characters and as players of those characters, I think we're definitely still, I mean, we spent most of the first arc getting our sea legs. And I feel like, honestly, the scene where we start bantering at Lord Durax and like all that other sort of stuff, that's kind of when the moment we started to hit our stride. And then we were able to bring that back around to like, you know, the beginning of the second arc where we have uh, Bezakir's housewarming party and show this like more human element. And then we get into like, you know, we, we do a solid sort of back and forth between like superhero shit and then the people behind that superhero shit. And we kind of flip back and forth between that throughout that arc. I think, I mean, the reason I think that that arc was so good is because that's when we hit the stride that was going to define, I think the rest of the season. And I mean, I think that has certainly been true so far. Like, you know, now that we kind of have figured out who these people are, we are getting the chance to really, like explore that. So like the second arc being this kind of platonic ideal of what the second season is going to be, I think is it, it is, it is, it is the prism that the rest of the, the rest of the arcs are refractions of like in, in a lot of ways. And I think that's going to be, that's why that's so cool. Like, I just, I think that that's, that was the moment that was the hit. It was fantastic. So anyways, now let's talk about Britain. Yeah, the kind of the symmetric opposite of uh, of going to Argentina and having a cool time killing fascists. I have to, I have to interfere, and in, uh, I don't think we ever got on uh, paper, on recording, on tape. Uh, Luda, how do you feel about England? I'm just curious. Without, <laughs> if you, if you, if tell us your thoughts on England. Yeah, we we all have some ideas. I think all the listening audience at home has some thoughts on what you think of England, but I'd like to hear. Tell me all your thoughts on England. So, uh, so England is normal island. It's perfectly normal. It's the most normal land in the world. Uh, uh, you know, I, I wish every day that the legend of Atlantis becomes real and it's England. <laughs> uh, biggest confession time. Uh, I used to be a Tebow when I joined college. Okay. So, so you know how deep my hatred of England goes. The, uh, it is the kind of hatred that only comes when you try to love something and then you you just become you just see all the rot and you turn on it and then it turns out that it hates you even more than you hate it and then you just say good one of us is going down so the reason i ask is uh because at the end of the england arc john doe would rather die than go back to england john doe would sooner nail both of his hands together than go back to england um what what are some things highwayman would rather do than go back to england uh well so here's it's it's what i was just thinking and I, i will answer your question in just a second but i will say this i'd like i'd like very much that we did the england arc just before this and now we are in japan and we have met albie fucking pool <laughs> and i think a lot of us just have a lot of pent up frustration with england as a concept right now and we're all just like oh i fucking hate her i can't stand her shit we're going to fucking ruin her kid we hate her we don't like her lady of the lake bullshit like it's going to be can't. funny when uh when berserker actually picks up excalibur yeah, uh, yeah that's going to delight Next me card. <laughs> i'll, I'll, I'll pick up the scabbard cuz the scabbard is always better 
Yeah. No, no, <laughs> yeah, no. this camera makes okay. me vulnerable. Come on. Yeah, come on. Like, why hasn't anybody else pursued the scabbard of Excalibur? Yeah. I go into battle and just like, oh, yeah, come at me, bro. The British. And just everything bounces off me. I, I can't wait for the moment that fucking. Again, it's like, the, the British. It's the British. It's actually good to getting stabbed. <laughs> Fine. It's fighting is supposed to be shit. You're supposed to die and suffer. And if you don't like it, there's a door. <laughs> yeah. So I can't wait for the moment that Bezrik here picks up Excalibur and then just like was just like fuck this thing and just throws it and just like now this <laughs> this I like and now you are the sovereign of England nope <laughs> absolutely I would rather die um, uh, things that high women would rather do than go back to England um, go watch a high school theater performance in America. Um, that never ends. Uh, like a like, I mean, one of those really long shows, and it has to be something really bad and dramatic, like Miss Saigon. Um, uh, yeah, uh, the yeah, King no, and I, really, I, but performed entirely I, by, by the lower Nebraska in, middle school by white people in, in Nebraska. <laughs> yes, um, uh, I think uh, just drive the motorcycle directly into the sea. Just fully straight, just straight. Just, uh, as we know, it can drive under the water. He just drives the motorcycle into the sea. Doesn't activate the doesn't activate the protection system. I think he would rather do that than go to England. Just no, no. I will be taken by the ocean. Uh, that arc was absolutely fucking buck wild. I did really like that. I got to that. I made a joke about how I Johnny was just going to want to see theater and that it becomes his sort of sticking point for the entire thing. Just, I just want to see the theater. That's it. And then just even that just gets absolutely fucked. Johnny Jennings has the most dad energy in that arc because it's like mm-hmm. his kid, all the kids go to Disney World and they just keep fucking it up. They keep <laughs> making mistakes, ruining the trip. And he's like, if we could just get to Splash Mountain, we're going to go on. It'll be trip. great. We're going to like it. It'll be great. And just the rest of us are just like, but dad, I took flash photography of Mickey when they said not to. <laughs> like, <laughs> we are going to the theater and we're going to have fun. <laughs> we are not doing a spy thing. This is not for work. Oh, crap. It's actually for work. <laughs> Speaking of characters that uh, on ideological opposite ends that you kind of agree with, uh, what is really? her? The historian. Oh, her. Yes, yes. Her. The historical. Like we don't agree. Like, I don't agree with Monica. shit that dude does. <laughs> we want to put Monica in a locker and like. <laughs> I want to. I want to stuff Monocle in a locker, and I also. But I want to stuck an active, like stick an active stink bomb in there first. <laughs> see, see, the thing is, are you going to watch it and make sure it happens? Because that's always because that's what you're going to leave, and then Monocle's going to escape because he's James freaking Bond. He does have oh, the no, ability. I'm going to stand there. I'm going to stand outside the locker and say just and and just like start shouting. Fucking how much you hate the queen? Prop- <laughs> how much I hate the queen? Yeah. How much just communist propaganda? Why imperialism is bad? I'm just going to be screaming it through the locker while he. <laughs> it's just a multi a multi sensory torture chamber for Monocle's bad ideas. Uh, but the historian, yeah, uh, Denise Frankova, uh, medieval timeout. She rules. Uh, John Doe absolutely agrees with everything she's saying. He just thinks she lacks patience, uh, which is why at the end of that 
fight. He was like, no, like we'll put her on a boat that ships her off somewhere temporarily. She is a friend of the revolution. She's just too zealous right now. So like, she's got to work within the system. Uh, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't say that. I like, was no, not no, no. crazy. Okay. <laughs> Misunderstood. Because well, we yeah, that, that whole arc was like we were trying to manipulate the system. Oh, yeah. And it didn't. And I mean, John does a lot of feelings about that. Um, number one being that his skin crawled the entire time and not just from being in England. Um, mm-hmm. But having to choose and having to try and find a middle ground when the option should have just launched, put a legally distinct historical figure, the Snatcher, into a howitzer and launch her into the sun should have been the option that made everyone the happiest. But I do love I, I, I'm eye rolling because of America, like d- wanting to keep her. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, she was fine. She did fine. <laughs> She she didn't do any war crimes. Meanwhile, Henry Kissinger, doc, excuse me, we can't we, let me, uh, a doctor old man who is notable in setting for his war crimes. Uh, Forrest Gump of war crimes. The Forrest Gump of war criminals is just like, but look, she didn't do any war crimes. Wait, this is not productive to the area of discussion. It's like, Activision Bl- it's like when Activision Blizzard said, oh, we didn't commit any wrongdoing. She did not do any war crimes. She is an innocent, misunderstood woman in real politics, as we should let her go. <laughs> this is all misogyny. This is all misogyny against a hardworking woman from England. She earned everything she had to oh, get to where she is. Oh, and just because she approved super criminal poison gas McGee deployed into civilian areas doesn't mean she did anything wrong. It was simply real politics. And that's it, wait folks. That's the you end just of- hate to see women weaning. <laughs> that's the end of Crimson Gold Agonies. Thank you for joining us for two years. We're never going to podcast again. We're done. We've done Angela's going to burn podcast. our equipment and walk into the woods. Um, Everyone can see right uh, now I, I am I dumping kerosene onto my microphone. <laughs> Everyone can see it happening. Uh, look, if you all were not such if, if she were not such a big fan of the Queen of England, this would not be happening. I will say one of my favorite things about uh, season two, and I know that uh, I know that she had to stay really on top of me about it. But Ludo writing me um, BBC like continuation pieces that I got to read in a fake British accent and just pretend that I was just some smarmy fucking asshole just reading shit, uh, just reading fucking crown propaganda. That was that was a good time. I enjoyed that uh, very much. I love it so much. That was the channel, the channel, the cursed media vibes from uh, from the UK, especially yeah. because you know, on the historical context of Chile and uh, the media around the term, the time of the of the the big bad, the you know, the only eleventh September that happened. <laughs> that matters uh so it feels really good and also the sheer hatred for the for the the british media and um, Mm -hmm. and not only that uh i think i did not went as far as i wanted to do but i really like it how First, the targets was on you until Jeremy Corbyn comes into view, and then everything is about Jeremy. We just gotta protect. We've gotta protect Grandpa. 
but also give me your bike, nerd. <laughs> also, sorry, there's a car chase. We really need this. Um, I know you have not bought a new bike in 15 years, and you probably won't buy another one if I steal this one. But also, the need is great. Sorry. There's evil James, well, evil-er James Bond is getting away. Also, uh, I think we've gone too long without mentioning the sacred order of uh, bodyguards, the hardest of lads, uh, mm-hmm. triplet of geezers to be deployed as defense. Um, I they are my they are my hope to have a recurring minion. I just want to see more of these strange hard lads from part of London. I was like, honestly, the hard lads. If, yes, if those dudes show up in Tokyo, I would be. F- Fucking delighted! I'll be, like, yes. you will see Johnny. You will see Johnny Jennings fucking delighted, and he's like, I will put that in my to blow I, off if, steam. If, if you don't put it in your wish for next session, I'll put it in my wish for next. Yeah, session. like yeah, I want to. I'm hard lads. No, I'm. I'm going to. Uh, hang on one second. Let me just go ahead and at. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna at. Brad, I'm gonna at Bren. Wait, are. Is oh yes? Are, are we gonna see the hardest of lads as Lydia Bella's fucking managers? Uh, oh my god! <laughs> are they Spoiled going to be her faction? <laughs> uh, I'm. It fits so well. It I hurts. hate it and I love it. Ah, <laughs> uh, so I hate it so much. I love it. But yeah, Arc 3, it was super cool because we got to see all the characters in a different capacity. Because uh, part of what I loved about it is normally jo- normally Johnny's the plans guy. Joachim's the muscle. John is the generic guy, which isn't a bad thing. I like playing him that way. He's a generalist. And this arc, it suddenly shifted all one to the right in that John Doe became the brains Yoki became the general guy and Johnny became the muscle, which was such a weird change, but it was such Mm -hmm. a fun dynamic that I was like, yeah, this, this rule, seeing them all in a different way. Yeah. It was a bit weird because so this was a very open, this is was basically an open world arc and the previous one kind of was, but because of the urgency of the goal, you kind of felt guilty about doing stuff in Argentina that was not directly involved with Philip. Uh, here, it's, it was kind of the opposite problem. Is that you wanted to, your characters wanted to be so done with this place. Yeah. There were a lot of things that you could be doing and you just chose to, no. No, not gonna do it. Then we had the alternate dimension, uh, more oh god, Morrigan, and like it was ours, but it was not ours. Is my the way I had to explain it to myself because I didn't even get like what Ludo was saying uh, about that. <laughs> like uh, it's it's like ours, but not ours. It's the neighboring reality. Yeah, it's, it's the six one five or whatever. Neighboring reality. Why does that sound so familiar? <laughs> hmm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's like someone cut a slice of the Tower of London and replaced copy and pasted from another reality. Probably not good for that reality. 
No, probably or for this one. Or for, yeah, it wasn't good for nobody, but we fixed it, and that's the important part. Did we? We kind of, <laughs> I think we just put a band aid <laughs> over a hemorrhage, as that was hey, it. I look, it's, it's like, okay, I, and then it's it's England. It'll affect England first, and then we'll deal with it when we need yeah. to. What's the worst that happens? All of England gets sucked into another plane of existence. Unless it's re- oh, no. unless it's replaced by a somehow even worse England. Sorry, oh, God. <laughs> no. Now I'm remembering the end that. of Hellboy. Oh, you said oh, that no. like England is not already another plane of existence. Yeah, but imagine it's replaced by an even worse England. <laughs> the darkest, the, the darkerest timeline England. I don't somehow somehow turf your island. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's got evil British uh, versions of us running around it. <laughs> I hate that sentence. I, I want to redact it. <laughs> I hate it. I'd like to vote to have that stricken from it. the record. Man. Also, I loved I like but all of the all of the freaks that showed up to be part of the UN meetings were cool. Like because <laughs> they were all freaks. They were Even all freaks. Kissinger. Oh I Kissinger is the biggest of the freaks. Yes. <laughs> I was so disappointed that you did not get to uh, fought uh, Jack. I really thought it was going to turn into a fist fight against a bear when I proposed the plan. I was like <laughs> And he's gonna look at me. All oh, right, there was a there was a bear there. And he, <laughs> oh my god, there was a fucking bear there. Yeah, Wojek the second, third. Wojek the third. Forgot about the bear completely. Uh, that's how wild this entire season has been. There was a a whole ass bear there, and we all just kind of like just oh yeah, I don't yeah whatever. I thought was going on. Like, is there a diplomat? Whatever. When I proposed the Irish alliance with a different group, I was like, and this is when Wojek the third's going to be like, oh well, I can't bear this, put down his teacup, tear his clothes off, and try to maul me, and John Doe's gonna have to put him in a headlock and just, you're feeling very sleepy. It's like a, it's, it's gonna be one of those pictures from the, the men magazine. Yeah! <laughs> you're feeling very sleepy. <laughs> yeah, it, I saw you didn't really like... I hate it. I can't bear this, so I thought I'd follow it up with that. This is unbearable. <laughs> I can't bear this. I was like, mm, good bear joke, and then, and then, and then you made a bad bear joke, and unfortunately, that is actually my niche. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was what it was going to turn to a fist fight with him. Just like a very nice, proper tea room in the not palace, and uh, just oh, now what Jack wants to fight. I forgot what side what, what he he was diplomat for. The, uh, the European Economic Zone. Yeah, he oh, wanted okay. to uh, neoliberal around. Yeah, he wanted to super neoliberal. <sighs> Some there's a joke about markets in here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of freaks, and they were even again because it was the open world. It was the Elden Ring of uh, I loved <laughs> of season two. <laughs> uh, basically, there will be a lot of uh, things for you to explore. I, I had a lot of freaks ready. You know, football Ronald Reagan was going... Yeah, Ronald Reagan was going to appear if you actually went after the Snatcher. So... Oh, man, we could have fought Ronald Reagan? Yes. And his Ronald Damn, Ra- and his and Ronnie's Rangers. I, I I was actually I I was momentarily distracted because you described it as the Elden Ring of arcs, and I thought that that was good because of uh, what a 
ridiculous hard on that George R. R. Martin has for British lore and literature, just sort of in general, uh, which makes yeah. it very appropriate to the art. And we didn't even meet the time traveler yet. And we didn't even meet the time traveler yet. Yeah, again, the, there's a, there was a lot of things to do, a lot of freaks to meet, and uh, the, the hatred for England is real. I, Ludo, I've never been to England. I hate it now. Um, <laughs> I've never been to England, and I don't want to. No. I, and I live here. Also, I mean, I, I know I, I'm bad, and I don't listen to episodes of the podcast like I should. So, uh, there's also that terrifying moment where John Doe teleports because of Voidwalker that still haunts me. Hmm. If only there was a secret art yeah. about developing that. I don't like it. John make that. What if what if they made an art where John Doe uh was less scared all the time? Like an arc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I guess it's good. Okay. Because remember, no spoilers. What can you say about Arc 4 so far? With least spoilers as much. Because again, people are going to be consuming that until September. Mm-hmm. Arc 4, Tokyo, uh, City of Spies. I mean, I, I feel like this is finally us animeing on our anime. It's like, mm-hmm. we're really going to way down. We're so mad. Anime all the way down. It's anime all the way up. It's anime in every direction. It's cool. An, our show is an anime tesseract. <laughs> yeah. I'm changing my Discord name right now. <laughs> to anime and, tesseract. And, uh, and uh, after that is going to be a very selfish arc. But let's say it's the arc that made me want to make this season. Oh, so, no, I'm so excited. Wait. Oh, no. Which one is it? Can we get it? Spain. <gasps> I remember Spain now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I forgot I like, the whole country. I, yeah, I'm like the one because I don't look at the document. <laughs> like <ever. laughs> I, I, I have access to it. I just don't look at it because I, I like to go back being and look at it. I also spoiled about it. So I, I'm going into most of these just blind. Like, I don't even know what the order of the arcs are in. <laughs> There's a couple of them. And yeah. we'll discuss that off camera because my brain is, uh, we've gone over. I have a, I have a unique mind, a mind that is built wrong oh, and it enables me to hold on to information strangely. Yeah. And uh, listeners will be in one year talking about Spain. So looking forward for that. <laughs> you can hear us have wonderful opinions again. You just got to listen. We should just do this every week. <laughs> just replace this with the actual podcast. <laughs> just us talking about things just that could happen. Talking about things. We play the game, but we don't release those. We just talk about the game we play. <laughs> I hate that.